to the Bus Podcast, Level 7 Spoiler Cast Edition. Uh, once again, I am Holly, and with me today is Luca. Hello. And today we are talking about episodes 7 and 8, I believe. 8 and 9. Yes. Yep, 8 and 9. The episode titles are After, Before, and As I Have Always Been. Yeah, fuck. I need to start looking at the episode titles, because those are good titles. They are good titles. Yeah, I think this is going to be a longer-ish one. (laughs) We got (laughs) Um, some shit to unpack. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and get into it. Um, Episode 8 was kind of a continuation of the last kind of 80s adventure, where May and Elena go to Afterlife to sort out what's going on with Elena while the team back on the Zephyr tries to fix the malfunctioning time drive, which is spiraling out of control closer to tearing a hole in space-time. Bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, I guess we can kind of get into it right off the bat, because there is a lot of stuff in this episode. Yeah, there is just a lot (laughs) that happens in these two episodes, for sure. Like, the main thrust of Eight is obviously Elena's journey to re- to uh, regain her powers. Yeah. Which, yeah. we unlocked her tragic backstory. <laughs> yeah. Fucking final season, here we go. Here we go. It hurt like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really rough. But I will say, having a whole episode focused mostly on her and May was, like, absolutely incredible. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed their dynamic. Yeah. Like yeah, like, like the moment where um Jaying is like, Alright, you gotta like fuse together or whatever and they're both like, uh, we don't do emotion <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like there's this like there's this moment where they're both sitting across from each other, like cross legged in the meditation thing or whatever, and they're like have their hands on each other's knees. And and May's just like, do I have to be this close to her face? And like and like when Jiang's just like, okay, now just like close your eyes and focus. They both just start groaning, yeah, <laughs> like, nonstop. And it's just like, oh, the two of them, the two of them are great together, like in most circumstances, but especially in this one, were fantastic. And yeah. like, I will say, I give a lot of shit to the fem slash shippers of this show not because i'm against it or whatever like i have i give shit a lot of shit to like bioquake and skimmins or whatever but i think i just have to be that on principle as a fitzman's shipper yeah i was like you know it's hard to ship a married woman with other people when you really like the person she's married to (laughs) yeah uh but i will just say may and elena a good one that's a good one right there (laughs) I it just cracks me. One. I feel like the season is just like the season of them pairing everyone up that you never thought about. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And honestly, like, it's I, like so great. Like I had thought about May and Elena before this episode, but like, so, but like not before this season. I don't think, which is wild yeah. to me because they seem like such a like after this episode, they seem like such a natural pair together. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it was really enjoyable, and I loved how May was able to so deeply connect with her feelings because of her 
um, empathy capabilities. <laughs> yeah, there was like some uncomfortable moments. moments where May alluded to the fact that she could feel people's emotions through walls. Yeah, uh, but you know. Yeah, fine. I. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was wild because, that yeah, that's the other thing is that we found out what's been going on with May, because I think you and I have been speculating for the past couple of these or maybe just the last one that may's emotions seem to be returning to her even though she's not uh -huh. like in contact with people and that doesn't seem to be the case anymore another another swing and a miss um yeah. swing and a miss. because it just seems her empathic abilities are just growing stronger and that she doesn't have to be in physical contact with people yeah to feel their emotions um yeah which it's is interesting yeah, it's very interesting, and I, like, because I was, like, she's definitely feeling emotion here in the scene where her and Elena are, like, actively arguing. But yeah. it, it turns out that that was probably just her feeling Elena's anger, which is, like, mm -hmm. so is she just, like, straight up, like, never feeling her own genuine emotion again? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, especially because this, it's going it seems to be going in a direction like it's definitely developing towards something which is not like when when we when we suspected that she was getting her own emotions back what i had expected to do is like oh she's gonna slowly return to to being may but just like may plus basically like may plus yeah. empathy abilities but now it, it it seems to be going in in a different direction where she's not she still has her empathic abilities but they're growing stronger in a sense yeah i won't lie i'm a little concerned about may surviving this season i i kind of think she will just because i don't think they would do that to her yeah but at the same time i am cognizant of the fact that someone is gonna die like i know that enoch just mm -hmm. died but like there's no way all of the main people oh, are enoch. making it out of the season alive <laughs> yeah yeah which worries me tm but yeah, other than that, we got to see Jaying, which was exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The note that I have here is just like it's nice to see Jaying as like you know a person in, in these episodes. Yeah. Because because um, I don't know if you saw Luca, but in our server, Bo and I were having a chat last night because they just got to season two in their yeah. rewatch, and like the. The arc of Zhaying in season two, when we see her, is that, like, we see her just getting torn open on an operating table, presumably for, like, decades or whatever, and then she's just evil. <laughs> like, yeah. like quote-unquote evil. Um, which is, which is, like, potentially interesting, right? Because it's somebody who has been through this, like, horrible, horrible thing that has happened to them, and then, obviously, that changes who they are. But it, it wasn't, I don't think it was handled particularly well in season two. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's it's interesting, it's interesting to see Zhaying as like somebody with some agency here. Yeah. Um, not that she didn't have agency, but she didn't, she didn't seem to have much character in, yeah. in season two. Yeah, I think that it was so hard to judge her because we only ever saw her like pr after this event happened. 
So I, I agree. And I think it's going to be even better because I think next episode we're going to see Jaying and Daisy together. Finally. Yeah. Um, from the previews, which is exciting. And I, I'm very excited to have that interaction with her mom, like as a, a person that <laughs> is not fully traumatized by the events of her life. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't catch the date. Is Daisy born yet? I, the answer is no. Yeah, no. Okay. No, because okay, this is this is still like ninety, like early eighties. Okay. Although it might not be anymore after the time. Yeah, I'm not really sure where the time bullshit. jump leaves us. Yeah, so it could really be know. it could be late eighties, which would be interesting because it seems like afterlife fell before Jiaying and what's his dick met up yeah i'm not entirely sure about the timeline there i would have to like give it more than a passing thought which is all i've done thus far with that timeline i mean she did mention in the next in the previous or the next timeline like she mentioned like we had to save my daughter or something like that I think so, she's talking about Kara. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if she's talking about Cora or Kara, whatever. Kara, whatever. It's Cora. It's Cora. Cora. Yeah. Yeah. She. I'm. I'm curious if she is talking about Cora or if she's talking about Daisy. I suppose we'll see. Yeah, I'm fairly certain she's talking about her because uh, obviously she's in imminent danger. <laughs> yeah. And. Like, you know, the other one isn't. As far as we know, I'm assuming. But yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting and I I'm very excited to see that. I think that I think that's what I was assumed would happen in the episode with May and Elena and then it didn't and I was kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Um, but it seems they were just holding off until later, which is fine. Yeah, so. I think yeah, I'm because uh, the my I it I did really enjoy seeing Shying in these episodes because we did get to see kind of how Cal described her before is that she like deeply cares about everyone. Yeah. At Afterlife, um, I did think it was a little bit weird how. Okay, this is gonna be a transition into talking about fucking white supremacist school shooter dickhead, but fucking like. It was very heavily implied that they were going to either that their two the two options that Jiaying and her knife guy were considering with regards to Korra was one taking away her powers or two killing her. I guess. Yeah, that seemed to be the. I think because that was like Jiaying did not want that option. Like that was pretty much off the table for her. But knife guy yeah. was like, this is the only option because it's the only way we know how to like stop her yeah but like i feel like that that feels inconsistent with how afterlife and shying specifically has been has been shown or has been like talked about because like they know how to train people to use their powers and it's not like cora can't be trained or whatever because we see her literally the next episode controlling her powers just fine yeah. So, like, I guess it's just a matter of, like, we didn't see what they had gone through before, but that feels, it it felt weird to me that just, like, that is Jiaying's whole job 
and like what she's been doing for like generations and she just couldn't do it this time i guess and i don't know it seemed to like it always seems like with these new inhumans they go through this period where they're just like emotionally out of control (laughs) and it takes like a very specific voice to like talk them off the ledge and i don't know that jying was that voice for her even though she desperately wanted to be i that's that's my interpretation of it anyway yeah i guess i could see that the other thing too is that like i don't know if nathaniel like nathaniel being that voice also doesn't really make sense to me because she was going out there to kill herself so that she couldn't hurt anybody at home yeah right like that's what she was going to do she was willing to kill herself to not let her hurt anybody else yeah it doesn't really that whole thing does not make sense to me at all (laughs) yeah and then she turns around and like moments later nathaniel's coming and she's like hey do you want to help kidnap everybody in your yeah. place and he she's just like hell yeah yeah i don't know if they really explained her motivation at all there which is disappointing because i agree with you it doesn't really make sense at all i don't yeah. know <laughs> like the the like it's just one of those things that just making me side eye the writing for these like this new villain like transition that they're going for um because i i was i've this whole two episode sequence just made me side-eyed it side-eye it like a lot yeah for reasons that we'll get into but like it's just because you and i were hoping so much that the chronicoms wouldn't be the season villains and that's very obviously not the case anymore right yeah but also, like, Nathaniel is somebody who is very easy to hate in the classic Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you hate, you really fucking hate the villain. Yeah, he's definitely, like, I mean, he's done a great job of making me hate him. Which is not <laughs> anything I can say for any of the Chromicons. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely <laughs> not super well explained why she just suddenly turns on her quote-unquote family and decides to run off with this random dude who looks like um you know hot topic threw up on a skinhead and (laughs) it's just the result yeah it's it's really like he he legit looks like every stereotypical like if if you ask somebody to like imagine what a school shooter looks like it's that person it's him yeah it's like it's really it's really rough um, and like makes me incredibly uncomfortable just like whenever he's on screen which is good in a villain um but like oh god like this next episode i feel is going to really make or break how i feel about him because i am so like i feel like i am teetering off at of the edge of a cliff and agents of shield is ready to just fucking push me off of it <laughs> because <laughs> in terms like, of what because like he's he has this kind of like characterization as like his family was a, just a bunch of Nazis, um, and he is very clearly like a white supremacist dickhead, and is like torturing people, stealing Daisy's powers, and all that. But then in this episode and the episode after, we get a sense of like what his motivation is, which is that he feels 
he feels that it's unfair that he was supposed to die or whatever that like fate was like that he was destined to like not have it and it's very much it's very much framed in like a haves and have nots sort of situation like it's very much framed like those born with everything get to have everything and those who are born without everything like don't get anything like like that it's just a that it's just like a matter of fate quote-unquote like the circumstances with which you were born but it's it's so uncomfortable to feel that to hear those kinds of words come out of well this dude's i think mouth. i think it's very specifically he wanted powers like inhuman powers and he didn't get them and he felt shorted because of it to me that's yeah. how i read it like it's very specifically about the power thing and he's like Oh, why, I mean, it's, why don't I get powers, too? Yeah, it's also, it's about the powers, but I feel like it's also about, like, him dying. Like, him just being like, well, I guess I had to die at a young age, and that sucked, except for this time travel bullshit, and now I'm gonna change that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in addition to him, like, not being born with inhuman powers, which... Uh, it's it's really it's really wild because it, it very it very much reads to me as like this kind of like next level white supremacist incel bullshit <laughs> that's just like yeah. why can't I have the have the nice things you know and yeah. it 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 makes me really uncomfortable but the way that they've been framing that is not that at all really they've been framing it's just like oh we need a cause we need to cause anarchy capital a and like that was the big like reveal at the end of that episode is just like it's just like like core or whatever was just like well what are we gonna do next and then he's and then he's just like like how about some anarchy and then the episode ends <laughs> yeah and it's like it's like supposed to be this big moment where whereas that was a big like oh shit like this is this has the potential to go down like a road that I really don't like, not in just a way that like I hate this guy, and that's because like it, the ideal way, the ideal path that this could go down is like I hate this guy with all of my guts because he's a shitty person, but a good villain. And the thing, the way that I'm worried that it's going to go down is that oh, I hate this guy, and I don't think he's a good villain because the writers are mischaracterizing like what's bad about him. Yeah. That's fair. I don't know. His whole motivation has seemed like kind of shaky at best to me. <laughs> like, it seems like he's just like an asshole who just like has lust for power that just like is uncontrollable, yeah. apparently. Yeah. And that's, I think, the best way to do it. I think, especially in the way that they've framed him so far, it wouldn't even be like, because it's a, it's a pretty shallow villain concept for it just be like oh i just want all of the power in the world Mwahaha. you know like that kind yeah. of thing but like they specifically framed it in like a in like a very like class and race-based way in this one that like feels like real and situational mm-hmm. um but yeah instead they're just fucking like like making him like an like a ooh, scary anarchist which is it's so i'm worried that they're just going to keep doing that and not do the thing where it's just like oh like the thing that they would need to do to make me be okay with it is to just keep hammering on the oh he just wants power 
he doesn't give a shit about anybody else. Because, like, the thing is, is that, like, anarchism is a real thing. And Hollywood and, and media and that kind of stuff, like, it's so easy for them to lean on just like, oh, these people just want to watch the world burn and they're like, want to spread chaos and therefore they're anarchists or vice versa. And so that when the first time I heard somebody like in real life refer to themselves as an anarchist, I was just like immediately like shocked and like didn't know what to think about that because in my mind, I always had this like cartoonish impression of what that meant. Or, like, in terms of, like, anarchists are terrorists or whatever, in terms of, like, yeah. the anarchist cookbook and that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, real-life anarchists are doing shit like providing community housing and community gardens and food and supplying food and water to people who can't get it and that kind of shit. And it's just, like, fuck. Like, I'm not an anarchist, but it's just fucking... It's so frustrating to keep seeing those kinds of portrayals, like when being an anarchist is just being like fucking joker from batman or or whatever yeah i mean i think there's definitely a very shallow reading of the word anarchy in popular media and this is like leaning towards being that exact reading which is not great and i totally agree with you that i mean we're still seeing riots <laughs> for yeah. like a solid two months now and yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would love to describe those people as anarchists, even though they're literally protesting police brutality and murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, hello? Yeah. And it, yeah, like the whole like anarchist equals terrorist thing is, is really rough, especially here where they have like such a more interesting reading of a villain that was like right yeah. there up until the moment they decided to cast him as an anarchist like it yeah. did, like it, it still hasn't gone away or whatever but like they had that like all it wasn't even like they had it ready to go and they just needed to pull the trigger like the, it was what it was and then they did they, they took and added this whole other thing on it because i guess they needed to make him more of like a comic book villain yeah yeah i don't super know i mean the whole season has kind of seemed confused on villains because we had the Chromacons and now they've been gone for like three episodes. But I guess they're coming back because like Sybil's still there, <laughs> but also Nathaniel is like around. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem I'm to be super consistent. I'm wondering if it's going to be a thing. And I don't want this to be the case. I'm wondering if it's going to be a thing like, what's his name? The... Was it the superior who was the Russian dude in charge of the watchdogs? Uh, yeah. I forget his name. This is how yeah. little of an impact he had on my life. Yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering if that's the thing where he's like, he is this big villain in a certain case. And like, like Rose is all right, but also like, or I guess he's probably not the best example. But I'm wondering if, because Nathaniel is kind of like working in tandem with the chronicoms and the thing that i'm worried it's going to be is that they have to deal with him before they deal with the chronicoms instead of it being like a um uh a talbot destroyer of world situation where they ha they deal with the big existential threat first and then have to deal with this like one person 
So kind of how Game of Thrones should have ended. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh... like I gave up, I stopped watching Game of Thrones like fucking a million years ago. And so. you should have because it's not worth it in the end. And I don't want to rant about it because, oh my god, <laughs> I felt like I wasted eight years of my life for shit. But Yeah, that's the sense that I got. I mean, the moment when, and I don't care, I'm going to fucking spoil it because who the fuck? Who the fuck cares? But the moment when your main protagonist, who has risen through seven seasons of utter shit to a place where she is in control of the situation, wins a battle, right? She's won the battle. She is sitting there having won the battle. And then she decides, I'm going to fucking murder everybody. And then does it is like possibly the worst ending I could have ever pictured in my wildest nightmares. (laughs) Uh. God. But yeah, anyway. So, you know, it's it's been a time, but yeah. I'm not really sure where they're going to take Nathaniel. I'm kind of hoping he isn't around after next episode, but we'll see. Yeah. Know. But like, is the Comic-Con's any better? I don't know. Yeah, that's part of me is that, like, I like right now, his motivation is so self-centered that the Chronicoms are definitely the more, like, existential threat that they feel like more like the end of season finale villains. Yeah. But Nathaniel is so much more interesting that if they do him right, that trying, like giving him, making him much more of a threat, like a widespread threat would be interesting. I feel as a last season, the end of season villain, but I'm yeah. not sure if, if it, if he, his whole shtick really has the legs for that. I wish that they would have just made him the, like, season villain, honestly. Mm-hmm. And just ignored the Chromacons, because I just can't bring myself to care about the Chromacons in any way. Ugh. It's yeah. just so uninspiring. Yeah, I... I think I think they could do it, but it... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a way to do Chromacons, and then there's this. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, yeah, not interested. So, yeah. Uh, but other than that, well, let's move on to the next episode, I think, because it's a biggie. Yeah, it's a big one. Oh, I guess there's one fucking thing about the last one that we somehow yeah. skipped over, which is fucking. Well, one, there's no fits, but two, the oh god, the message that Gemma left for him. <sighs> Okay, do we want to get on my Fitz bullshit right now? Because yeah, go for it. I'm go on my bullshit. It. Okay. So when I saw that he was downgraded to a series regular, I was like, okay, he'll be like Deke last season, and he'll show up like not every episode, but it, like maybe not the first five episodes, but he'll be around, like popping in and out. He'll leave video messages for Gemma or something. Fine. And that's not what happened at all. Instead, we Absolutely got a whole not. season of nothing. Episodes went by when no one even mentioned his name. And I was like, is he still like a part of this show? Like, I don't know at this point. And it just drives me crazy that they apparently could not think of a single goddamn way to get him in there somehow. Even once. Even fucking once. I get that they were constricted on filming times. Fine. But I'm like, you couldn't have set him in a room and had him record video messages? Like, that would have taken, like, two hours. Ugh! 
and it just uh, like I have ranted about this on my blog because I had a lot of feelings after the fact that he did not even show up in the tag of nine and people were like oh you're being negative like uh the season's great and I'm like okay fine the season's fine but I'm like but this is like a main character that I personally love (laughs) (laughs) that has just like been I feel shorted of a chance to say goodbye to him because like at most we are gonna get three episodes of Fitz at most and I'm like that's not enough time because not only are we wrapping up everyone else's stories we have to tell the entirety of Fitz's story in that time and wrap it up and I'm like that's not this is not gonna be a thing and people are like oh well he just like wouldn't fit in with the dynamic that they built and I was like why (laughs) like why would he not fit in he is a part of this team so in conclusion I think the writers wasted their fucking time with him because every season since like season three he's just been sidelined to like a fucking background character except once a season when they're like oh yeah we gotta like give people what they want and i'm like oh so yeah i'm just very annoyed at the general lack of fits at all and it feels like every time like especially with this episode where jim is like literally like screaming and then we just cut away and like we'll never know what she was screaming about until probably 11 and i'm like like that is such a like a after the silence about them for the last, you know, eight episodes, it feels like just a kick to the fucking crotch. Cause I'm like, you couldn't even give us anything. Like we know he's in danger, but we've known that from the start he's in danger. So I'm like, just give us something, give us anything at all about Fitz. And they're just like, Nope, fuck you. You're just going to get this tease about, Oh, grave danger, but then we're not going to explain anything. Ugh. So yeah, I just am very annoyed. <laughs> them yeah like that's the thing is that like i'm also extremely annoyed but it's definitely a very like personal annoyance like it doesn't like it takes away from my enjoyment of the show but just because i love fits and like we both love fits a lot so it's frustrating to see that that's not that just doesn't seem to be what the interest of the writers are like they don't seem to give like a single shit about him this season yeah. Um, and like, I get that he's might that it might have been difficult or whatever, but like you said, I feel like if they really wanted to, they could sneak in more shit. Like even if it's not Fitz leaving messages or whatever, which they like you said they absolutely could have done. Like just giving us like like you said, literally anything about. And what what's sucks is that like at this point, Fitz and Simmons storylines are so tied together that like. I feel like Gemma has just been, like, on, like, a pause this whole season. Like, she's not really done anything. She, like, was Peggy Carter for an episode, which was kind of cool. And then, like, she's just been, like, running background the whole season. And I'm like, this is not a service to her character either because she's doing fuck all in the background. Ugh. Yeah, and, like, not not to, like this is this is maybe a bit of a stretch but like she's also literally been impaired by the fact that Fitz isn't here like she she hasn't even been on top of her game because she's had this fucking memory implant in her head that that like one suppresses her ability to like do shit and like contribute in any meaningful way yeah like Um, it's not just like she's literally like she's 
physically been sidelined because she just can't do anything and i'm like this is such a disservice to her character yeah and like the idea that she'd literally like like not even from uh from a narrative perspective where she just isn't doing anything with fits and that's like a writing thing but like they literally wrote in a MacGuffin that made sure she couldn't do shit without fits yeah. which is wild yeah like, like, that is it really extremely just pisses rough. me off and what pisses me off the most is, like, like Gemma is a character of her own. Like, I obviously ship them a lot. But I'm like, man, she can fucking function without him. Like, <laughs> just, like, have her do something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, people have been like, oh, well, you know, like, they can pack a lot in with a single episode. Like, it'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. Like, I'm going to be happy. I know they're going to get their happy ending or whatever, because if they don't, I'm literally going to fly to LA and find the writers and kick their asses. But <laughs> I'm like, these are also the people that um, went out on interviews during season five and was like, you know, I think we brought the, the series to a, a satisfying conclusion for all the characters involved. And then like, literally killed off Fitz and didn't bring him back and send him off on a mission to find him without any resolution in the end of season five. And I'm like, this is satisfying. This was, <laughs> is what you was, people consider satisfying. That ending was so fucking wild. Cause like, I knew you, cause like we knew at that point when we, yeah. when the two of us were watching it live, that season six was coming. Right. Yeah. Cause like, but, it, like it, it like, it, like we learned that like two days before the finale or whatever yeah but if yeah. i had so not like, known that watching the finale i would have like seriously like hated myself and the show and everything about it forever <laughs> oh yeah yeah because because we because like i still felt that way <laughs> like yeah, on some like, level <laughs> after watching it because because yeah because you and i had spent the whole season and the whole fandom had spent that whole season i like getting ourselves ready for the end potentially like yeah. we had all we were all really hope like it's different from this season because like this season we know it's over but yeah. like last season like on season five we didn't know for, we didn't know for sure if it was going to if it was going to end but we knew that there was a pretty strong chance so so on some level we were hoping on some level we were preparing for the end and then them going on and multiple times saying yeah, we we also knew that this could be the end, so we so we wrote an ending that was that was good, and and we think wraps everything up well. And then the two of us watched that, and it and we we didn't know at that point that season six was coming. But fuck, if it was like I, it didn't make me like so upset that like it was just a bad ending. It would have been yeah. so awful. Because here's the thing: it was a satisfying ending for Colson and May. That's it. Yeah, that is like the only people in that season that had like uh even an ending. Like no one else had an ending. It was just those two, and I'm like, you motherfuckers really got on like, I'm not gonna say national TV because it wasn't that extreme, but like you got on like all the articles, and they were like, oh yeah, you know, we really wrote a satisfying ending, and I'm like, what in what world is this satisfying as it's an ending? So fucking wild. And I really hope that they learn, because I think, I mean, people were very outraged about those comments. I don't know how much they read of fan comments, but I really hope they read those and changed their tune a little bit because, uh, yeah, 
this has this they've known for two seasons this ending is coming because season six and seven got renewed at the same time so all i'm saying is you guys had fucking time to wrap this shit up so wrap it up in a actual good way (laughs) yeah and i do think i do think it's headed like obviously i have no sense and we're like four episodes away from the end and i have no sense of like how it's going to end because we feel like right in the middle of the shit yeah Um, i have no sense of how it's going to end but i feel like the arc of this episode this season is tending towards a satisfying ending but i have no fucking idea like it could be it could be just as dog shit as the season five ending and like we neither of us would see it coming yeah and the thing is like enoch ominously told daisy like this will be your last mission or whatever and which offended daisy and she was like uh this is my family dude fuck off which is valid (laughs) i'm not gonna say that's not valid but i think that i mean they're really setting up this this splinter at the end i think where everyone's sort of gonna go uh, their own way maybe which for some Ugh. of the characters is like the best because Fitzsimmons need to get the fuck out of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm Oh, I'm very I'm very worried about what that's, that ending's gonna look like because cause yeah, I, like I said, I can imagine what it looks like in the best of worlds and I can imagine what it looks like at the worst of worlds yeah. and both are equally as likely at this point. Because like, best case scenario... Fitzsimmons, like, leave S.H.I.E.L.D. and go, like, retire somewhere in Pershire and, like, have kids. Like, best case. And then, like, Daisy either becomes, like, the new director or, like, I've seen people ping-ponging around the idea that she, like, restarts Afterlife, but, like, good for Inhumans, which would kind of be interesting. Um, And then, like, Mac and Elena, like, stay on with S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know what happens to May. Like, in any scenario, I have no idea what May's ending is. But... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, best case for me is that, like, what they mean by... What Enoch means by the splinter is is no more S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, I would be totally fucking fine with at this point. Yeah. fuck, that's what I've been saying this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would also be fine with that because, I mean, all of them just, like, quietly retiring somewhere and, like, living out their lives is, like, the best... Yeah. Um and I mean like what even is shield at this point? Like I know like we went total annihilation in season 2 or whatever, but like we have the safety net of fury. And now we don't have anything. So I'm like what like what is the point of this organization at this point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like I said in in episode 1, I think. I think it's very interesting that one of the core questions of this show consistently is is what is it is redefining what it means to be a quote-unquote agent of shield yeah Um, and i yeah like i'm going to be very curious what the final answer to that is because it's been a different answer like depending on where you are in the show like and that's been super interesting to watch and i'm very curious where it ends on because it, I swear to fucking God, if it if it ends with like being an agent of Shield means being a part of this fucking international COINTELPRO organization, that I'm going to fucking lose my entire mind. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's not the answer because, again, I am like 
99% sure that Fitzsimmons leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. is like the ending for them because it's been teased since season three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping that the answer is not you have to be a member of this organization forever or whatever. And that it's like it's an it's an ideal more than an organization, which would be the best answer, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's that's that over with. <laughs> I, I literally got on Tumblr like as soon as the tag was over and just like wrote up this rant post and I was like fuck the writers and people were like yeah fuck the writers and some people were like but the writers are doing so great this season and I'm like they are doing great but you know I can still bitch about the things that I don't like <laughs> yeah like that's the thing is that this is a very the like the fit stuff on some level is a very personal criticism yeah. it's just like it's just like why don't the writers do the thing that i want which is which is on some level pretty selfish but at the same time they're they're dragging Gemma along down a line with yeah. them, which is not and that's good. what like that's just not that was okay. like the scene where she's like screaming or whatever and then we instantly have that cut like really felt like a slap in the face because it was mm-hmm. so obvious that they were doing it to like keep us in the dark longer and i'm like we've been in the dark this whole season like and this was the one chance we had to like get the memory thing out of Gemma and like have her like explain some shit and then it was just like no fuck you you're gonna punt this to another episode and i'm like oh my god like why (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah um anyway so daisy and (laughs) susa Jesus Christ, Luca, you can't do this to me. <laughs> but I gotta. <laughs> oh my god. So it's official. And I want you to know that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter even put out a whole video about it because. Oh my it's, god. It's we real. The writers, the writers were like, ah, oh, we just. We felt like it was perfect. And I was like, is it perfect? I. I am. See, there's um, there was a part of me that was hoping so desperately, even after they fucking kissed, that that it just wasn't going to go anywhere. That they were just going to like do that, and then like ha- maybe have it be a thing that's just like, nope. ooh, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. But if they're fucking like going all out at this point, just being like, yeah, this is a great thing. Like, let me board, just say the ro- the rollout of this. The rollout of this reminds me of the rollout of Fitzsimmons. Like, when they officially got together. Because I don't know if you remember that, but it was a big deal at the time. This feels... Yeah. It, not in the same level, but it feels similar. <laughs> Has Chloe Bennett said anything? Yeah, she was on the video talking about it. Um, I forget the actual quote, but she was like, yeah, he's like such a nice guy or whatever. And something else. Hold on, let me find the actual... Because, like, this is literally both of our worst nightmares, right? With regards (laughs) to Daisy. Okay. It's not my worst nightmare. Because I like Daniel Souza as a character. I think he will treat her well. That that is the only thing that's stopping it from being my worst nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's right. Like, the only other option at this point was Deke, which is... Which is bad. (laughs) Which is worse. Which is worse. You're right. This is better than Deke. But fuck... I, yeah, that felt like another, I can't remember if this came 
before or after the Gemma stuff, but like for me, that was that was also a real slap in the face. It's just like, yeah, I guess I guess Daisy has to be have a boyfriend, huh? Like, I guess this just has to be a thing that happens for her. Yeah, it's really frustrating to me because the way the writers described like the decision to have them be a couple was like it essentially boiled down to. We had the opportunity to have Sousa on the show, which we liked because we liked Sousa as a character in Agent Carter. And I was like, okay, valid. Like, he was a great character. I still like him as a character. Yeah, same. And, and like, Daisy was there and single, and we treated her badly with all the other boyfriends that she had. So Sousa was the best option, so we put them together. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a good reason. God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Pretty much, yeah. It was like it was like that, and like they were like, "Oh, their chemistry," and I was like, "Yeah, they had, I guess, a chemistry, but it wasn't romantic for me, they? at least." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hold on. Like, I have to find this gift set. Oh my god, where is it? Jesus fucking Christ! Because this is this feels like this feels like shitty shitty gender writing one on one. Yeah. You know? Where, like, like I, I know we're not past this shit as like a culture because it still definitely happens, not like <laughs> all the time, but like, fuck, like it's really frustrating to see Shield do that, especially because Shield is a show that I like to praise a lot as being marginally better. <laughs> than yeah. most other shows like i don't think it's good by any means with regards to like a lot of this shit but i did think that they were above this kind of shit like like you don't need to give daisy a boyfriend like you don't like you don't no. need like every not every woman has to have a romantic interest and be attached to somebody in that uh, yep. attached to somebody specifically a dude in that way and like and like with like seeing Gemma like literally be crippled by the fact that Fitz isn't here and and Daisy just like having to be in a relationship because she's single, I guess. And that can't happen on this show. Fuck. Yeah, it it's really frustrating. And like it, it what frustrates me the most is people who are and there are many people like this who are like I love them, like, full stop. They're amazing. And I was like, like, I I just never got, like, the only reason I would have ever seen it coming is because people on the internet were telling me it was coming. (laughs) Yeah. Like, 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 if there's a fucking, like, straight pairing, I know that there's going to be a large group of people on Tumblr who's going to ship it. Like, I've just accepted that. Yeah. As a thing. But... But fuck, like, it's, in this case specifically, it feels really frustrating. Because even if you do like that pairing, you have to at least recognize how fucking shitty it is for them to do And, like, the like thing that. is, it didn't have to be shitty. Like, I was willing to be convinced of this. But the, the scenes yeah. leading up to the one scene of Daniel, like, stroking her hair or whatever, and then the kiss was, like, not at all, like, romantic. <laughs> Like, they had, like, all of, like, three scenes together before then. And one of them was, like, their first meeting where Daisy was, like, undercover. Like, her locking him in a closet. 
because they had to like go stop the Kravacons. The scene in the bar, which I guess if you really squinted and turned your head sideways and hummed through it, you might be construed as romantic because they pretended to be a couple for two seconds. Yeah, like that's the thing is that that's not romantic or them having chemistry at all no but it is a sh- it it is the writer signaling to you that hey this is going to fucking happen yeah and then like it's the scene of daisy or of Susa stroking her hair like that's that's the build-up <laughs> and i'm like that's yeah. not a build-up that's three scenes and a very romantically undertoned interaction that came out of nowhere <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like I think I think I can't remember if it was you or me who who said last episode that like that like we're we're both gunning for Daisy being single at the end of the season. Well, I'm gunning for her having a girlfriend, but we're both gunning for yeah. her being single at the end of the season. And but we but we added the caveat that like we could be convinced, like if the right guy came along and there was the right chemistry and enough build up, then we could be convinced. And that just didn't happen, and they did it in the most shitty way. And then, if what you said is true, like them framing it as like we like Susa and Daisy, ostensibly the protagonist of the show was just happened to be lying around and is single. <laughs> like, yeah, like let me read you some quotes fuck. from the 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 post mortem breakdown that they had. All right, this is Chloe. She wears the superhero pants for sure, and there needs to be someone to balance her out. Oof. And then, uh, Jeb. Yeah, he's a, such a solid guy. They had great chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, Tumblr's decided to stop loading. Oh, fuck me. Okay, hold on. He's one of those guys who loves strong women and who's attracted to strong women and who has space and can make space for strong women. <laughs> Who said that? Was that also Jeff? That was no. That's um. That's the guy who plays Daniel. <laughs> oh my! And God. then Chloe again. If it was ever gonna make sense, if it was like another super, it was never. It was never gonna make sense if it was like another superhero. In a way, it was gonna be someone who's a complete opposite. Which I don't think they're complete opposites, but Mm-mm. you know. But yeah, also, that's basically like, what it boiled down to. Yeah, like that's. Like them saying, like they, like first of all, Chloe does not sound convinced. Like maybe it's just the tone <laughs> that you're reading, but Chloe doesn't sound convinced. Which, um, but like, I mean, it's... Chloe has made some quotes in the preseason that made me think she was not convinced. So you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's just like it's just like saying it's just like yeah, he's into he's into strong women. Like fucking like, ugh, I hate I hate fucking when people go it's just like yeah fucking strong female characters am i right like am i right boys wink wink because like because <laughs> like when do you go like that because like ha- like claiming that your show has like a strong female character or whatever is such a fucking cop out because yeah because if you're because one if you're if, even if you're not falling into the mary sue trap you're just doing a thing where they, they just have one personality trait and it's strong female character yeah and and daisy's not that <laughs> like yeah, daisy has I agree. a character and 
especially like first of all boiling her down to just strong female character is is one big yikes um but two them just going well first of all jeb going like yeah they have chemistry is such bullshit and <laughs> and chloe going just like yeah it, it was never gonna work out with that with a superhero shrugs like there's <laughs> literally no superhero dudes in this show <laughs> except yeah, for like, nathaniel and that's not gonna happen no and the thing is like i mean it worked fine with lincoln like he died yeah. but that wasn't because he was a bad boyfriend <laughs> yep yep <laughs> and i'm <sighs> like i get the balance aspect of it but i i, I really think that daniel is like he brought balance to Peggy's life, but he also enabled her at times. And I'm like, so what you're saying to me is she needs oh, someone yeah. who's going to kind of enable her at points. Cause like, at, like during this time loop, he was like, yeah, whatever you need, like whatever happens, like I'm here for you. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like balancing her out. <laughs> no, yeah. The balance argument for me is bullshit. He is totally, he is like, they're not opposites. They're both like, yeah fuck it let's just like go let's just do this shit and like go go for it like they're very much like people of action like i could see so much like this would, would never would have happened but like if i imagined what susa would be like in daisy's place in the time loop it's not that much different especially no. in, in, in her interactions with colson like they're they really aren't that different which is yeah I and as I'm sitting so here thinking about so it, so many levels. Yeah, and like as I'm sitting here thinking about it, here's the way this season should have gone. Okay, hear me out. We get the seat, we get the initial interactions or whatever, and then like immediately after that, Daisy gets kidnapped with Souza, but the the hair stroking scene doesn't happen. Like they have a more mild interaction, and like maybe he tells her the same story, but it's not like romantic. Like it's it's genuinely him trying to keep her awake. And then they bond about their shared trauma after the fact. And then it slowly gets romantic. And then this happens like that would be a much better flow to their story. Yeah. But having like the hair stroking scene come out of nowhere was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Cause there is no way to read that scene. That's not romantic. At least in my point of view. Yeah. And I'm like, it just came it just comes out of nowhere like so quickly <laughs> yeah and this wouldn't be as frustrating as it is like it like it's frustrating for so many reasons especially especially now that i'm hearing the stuff that it's framed around and like the reasoning behind these decisions which are all bullshit like i haven't heard like a single good reason why this should should, should have happened yeah um like one like the reasons why they do it at all is bullshit. The way they did it is bullshit. Having it be a thing at all is bullshit. And, like, all of that is made worse by the fact that this is the fucking end for Daisy. Yeah. Like, this is how Daisy's character was going to... This is how we're going to send her off. And it's it's all awful. Like, there's yeah, no part like, about it that makes me feel good. It just frustrates me, because I'm like... It was... It is such a simple thing to just, like, not address it in the final season. Just, like, yeah. let her go free, like, do whatever she does at the end, and then, like, not address it. Like, easy, done. You don't even have to deal with it. But I'm, like, trying to shoehorn in this 
romance angle with Sousa, like, three episodes before the end is seems uh, not great. <laughs> yeah. Not a fan. I know some people are, like, super into it or whatever, but I'm like, you're literally, like, it's not about the characters. It's just because you like the tropes that are associated with this happening, which I guess yeah. is fine on a level, but, like, if you really care about Daisy as a character, this is not great for her. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like they took... Someone was comparing it to Fitzsimmons, which I was like, get the fuck out of my way, bitch. Oh, <laughs> but they took what was good about Fitzsimmons, which is like mutual trauma, protectiveness of each other, and I guess the support system they have, and like tried to make that a thing with these two, and like it just doesn't translate because they have no history. <laughs> They have no history. They have no chemistry. Like, the two of them together is, like, literally nothing. Like, yeah. the two of them being in a romantic relationship literally adds nothing. It only takes shit away yeah. from Daisy's character, which is just, like... Like, I know and Daisy's the worst... had, like, the... No, go on. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna I say was the worst gonna... part about it all is that Susa doesn't remember the kiss happening. So we're gonna <sighs> go through this again. <laughs> yeah. Which is not the best. Yeah, like you said, like it, it would have been so easy for them to just like have let it lie. Because I know Daisy's had like the boyfriend curse or whatever. Yeah. But in my mind, she's always been a person who who isn't really defined by the relationships that she's in. Like, she's definitely the kind of person where relationships aren't important to her. Like this whole yeah. family shit has been important to her but it's always been more about that kind of support structure and and familial relationships rather than romantic ones that have that have been important to who she is as a character and and that have defined her like the lincoln stuff the vague ward stuff all kind of just felt like in addition like they never felt like it was, was never the main thrust of, of the storyline. It was never the main thrust. It never felt like it made Daisy characterize Daisy any different. Like whenever that kind of shit came up, I was just like, okay, I guess Daisy's like crying about her dead boyfriend again. But like, like it didn't, it didn't do anything for me other than like, oh no, Daisy's sad, and I don't like it when Daisy's sad. But it didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like a core part of like what her character was or what her character arc was, and like them not being able to recognize that that's not who Daisy is and even if they even if they do recognize that just using her as a kind of like like prop for this relationship is just fucking like it feels like they just wanted another relationship and and they liked Sousa and Daisy was single yeah that's pretty much how it feels and I I I sort of can kind of squint my eyes and be like, they're trying to give Daisy a happy ending, but I'm like, they could have given Daisy a happy ending by any other way. Like her reconciling the fact that Coulson's dead would have been a more satisfying, happy ending. Yeah. Because, because like, if... that's going to happen, like regardless of whatever the fuck this romance is. <laughs> yeah. Because if this, if this, if them giving her Susa is the, is the happy ending for her and they don't do anything else that would feel so unsatisfying for who daisy is because 
because that because like i said that's never felt important to her character arc and for that to be the end of yeah. her character arc it's just like what the fuck like you have you've had all of this other stuff that's been important to her and like you're going to have to wrap it up like if they don't wrap it up and just leave her with susa it's going to feel fucking wild and if they do wrap it up and give her susa it's just like why even bother at that point like it literally doesn't add anything yeah i agree and like hearing them talk about it and literally having like the flimsiest reasons for why like it literally felt like they saw what happened to susa in endgame where where peggy like i guess abandons him but goes back to uh captain america which is fine and they were like, oh, I feel bad for that guy. And then they were like, oh, let's get him on the show and give him the happy ending. And I'm like, but that's not your job. <laughs> that's not yeah. your job. <laughs> yeah, if that's if that's part of the reasoning for this, that's fucking wild. Because you've had Daisy, who is this, the ostensibly the main character of your show. Like, I think if anyone could be the main character of this ensemble, it's Daisy. Like, far yeah. away. And just fucking just throw her in the garbage i guess because <laughs> there's the white dude <sighs> yeah it's frustrating but i guess i mean it happened like it's happening it's going to continue happening i assume for the rest of this show so yep yep it's annoying but on a happier question mark question mark note i mean enoch went out as a fucking hero and that really moved me i gotta say yeah like i think we just went fucking off (laughs) about all that shit yeah like i think even with both of the slaps in the faces this episode was like really incredible on like every level yeah like the enoch stuff like really fucking hit in a way that I wasn't expecting. Because yeah, I, I knew... This ep- yeah, no, go yeah. on. I, I had an inkling that he might not make it, because it would just be kind of weird to have, like, this robot running around at the end. But the way they took him out was, like, so perfect for Enoch's arc. And really, like, I mean, they really hit you there at the end. I wish Fitz had been there. That would be the cherry on the top of the cake for me because like Colson and Daisy are fine as like the pre- the people that hold his hand at the end because they have very unique perspective about this stuff. But I wish Fitz was there. <laughs> yeah, like I wish I wish Fitz was there for the emotional catharsis, but also I'm also living for the tragedy of him not being there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely tragic. Yeah. But yeah, like that like yeah i think on some level i also i don't think i ever like consciously thought it but like i did i wasn't surprised that enoch died here but i was surprised that it hit in the like as hard as it did especially because especially because i wasn't i wasn't thinking about that gut kind of gut punch this episode i think based on the next time on like the tag of, of the previous episode going into this i was just like oh the the emotional thrust of this episode is going to be watching this family just like go through intense pain like over and mm-hmm. over and over again and like be like brutalized over and over again um which would have been hard to watch and it was hard to watch but then 
but then this this kind of gut punch just kind of came out of nowhere and at least it felt yeah. like for me and yeah i don't know if it you're right it kind of came out of nowhere i i had a feeling that not everybody would make it through this episode based on hmm. the like everyone dying thing i was like okay one of these deaths is real i didn't know the reasoning behind it obviously Though you called it being Enoch, like within like two minutes of the episode or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I did call. I did call it being. I called it. I called Enoch being the one who was killing everybody. Um, but I did not see. I did not see Enoch also being the key to stopping the whole thing. Yeah, but I think that this, like, as much as I rag on the Chromacons, Enoch is like the perfect character. <laughs> Like, yeah. he, to me, is, like, I did not expect him, I did not expect to like him this much when he was first introduced back in season five, but oh my god, he is, I don't know if it's just the actor and the way he plays it, or, like, if it's simply just better writing, but holy shit, like, he has been on such a character journey, and, like, I just adore him. <laughs> yeah, like, he's just, he's just such, like, he's such a good like comic relief character like not yeah. even in like the slapstick way but just in like a really genuinely funny way that um it feels like very asynchronous with what the show is but doesn't feel out of place like like there's never really been a character like enoch on this show and i would never have expected enoch to be a thing in the way that he he has been mm -hmm. for the past couple of seasons but but like it it never didn't work like there was never yeah. a point where i was just like who's this fucking robot why is he still here like like he just genuinely surprised me with how funny he was and like how yeah. entertaining he was like along every step yeah, like, he's just, he has the best retorts, he has the best reactions to things, and, like, the actor manages to do it with such a deadpan that it's just, like, mm -hmm. perfect, and it just yeah, that, kills me. That's the thing, is that Enoch flips between, like, deadpan and and the sad, disappointed, like, puppy dog <laughs> robot, yeah. and it's, it's so good. It's, like, uh, like, fucking pour one out for a real one, honestly. Yeah, he's, like, he really made his way very quickly into, like, my favorite character list, which was not yeah. what I was expecting, yeah. but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm pressing and F. Pressing F forever for Enoch, my boy. But I did really enjoy the conversation about, you know, endings with Coulson and Daisy. It felt a little on the nose at times, but the emotion was so genuine that i was like whatever <laughs> yeah yeah like that's the other thing too is that the, that that scene with him telling daisy that this is the end hit me in a way that i wasn't expecting because because the marketing for this season has been framed around this is the final mission you know yeah. like like the next times on and stuff that's like like or the abc like commercial tag it's just like the final the final mission continues like next on abc or whatever yeah. you know um but but it never really clicked with me that that's not how like in fiction that's not how it's framed like they don't know that this is the last mission until yeah until enoch told them 
which is which really yeah, kind of hit. It's just like, oh, they they aren't expecting the end that's coming. Like they don't have the kind of like knowledge that we do that there is an end coming and it's going to be thrust upon them. Yeah, it's fascinating. I was not expecting the way Daisy reacted at all, but like her reaction is perfect. Like she's like, "Excuse me, these are my family. Like <laughs> I'm yeah. not giving them up." And I, it ever since like season like the end of season three, I think with Fitzsimmons, I every season question why they don't leave Shield. Like I'm like, why aren't you leaving Shield? Like what is the point where enough is enough? And like you just like say peace out <laughs> and like the answer is clearly because these people are their family but to hear like a character like so solidly articulate that was like not what i was expecting <laughs> yeah because that's the thing too is that it really like because yeah the reason why they've all stuck together is because is because they're family which which I think the the second gut punch there, in addition, in addition to Enoch dying, like with that exchange specifically, is just like, yeah, whatever end is coming for them, it's not one that they're going to take willingly, or at least that's not what it seems to be at this point. Like, it's going to be one that forces them apart in some way or another, and that, I that makes me sad to think about. And I I wonder if it's just as simple as. Like, Coulson's gonna die forever. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Like, every version of Coulson is gonna be gone. And then I think someone else is gonna die. And I think at that point, the team is just gonna be like, you know, like, we can't. We can't do this. Like, it's too dangerous. (laughs) And they're just gonna have to, like, break apart, which is, like, very sad. But I I think it's kind of the obvious way that this show is gonna end is, like, the team dissolving. Because that's what the show is about. Yeah, I mean, the happy ending for me is that they save the world. It's just like, well, guess we don't need this anymore. And then they, yeah. that's why they dissolve it. But fuck, it, that doesn't feel like a fairy tale ending at this point. And no. And I think, like, individually, some of them are going to have happy endings. But yeah, I think there's going to be a definite tragedy and, like, the team is gone. Yeah which is going to be hard. But yeah, I agree. It was very emotional. Like I I had not been I was so pissed about Fitz the whole season. It was hard for me to get like emotional about it, <laughs> it ending. And then like this conversation happened and I was like, "Fuck, like it's ending." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, ugh, yeah. it's ending in like four episodes or whatever. Yeah, it's uh it's really hard cuz yeah, like part of the reaction too is that like your reaction like my reaction to to this thing ending and every time i'm reminded of the fact that it's just like no it's only six more episodes left it's only five more episodes left it's only four more episodes left it's just like just like no like this it's like the same reaction that daisy had to 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 enoch where she's like no this is my family don't take them away from me <laughs> stop taking away my family god yeah, it's. I think it's really going to hit, like, once I see Fitz on screen, like, I am just going to be an emotional wreck because yeah, I love Fitz as a character and I love Ian, and <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to see them again. Yeah. With Fitz, it's probably never. With Ian, who the fuck knows? Because he just, like, disappears into a void. Yeah. Um, And then never comes out. But... <laughs> yeah, like, that's And, like, it's going to be sad. Like, 
Yeah, no, continue. I was just going to say, it's going to be sad. Like, I love Ian and Elizabeth working together. And, like, who knows if that's ever going to happen again? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Which is, like, very tragic to think about. (laughs) But. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to say that there's, like, a silver lining to Fitz being out this long. Because there isn't. But, fuck. Like, him coming. him The first time we see him in however many months it's been since the end of season six um yeah and it being this close to the end end is going to fucking destroy me yeah like when i first saw Gemma in the first episode like i legitimately got a little bit teary-eyed and like she wasn't doing anything specific she was just like existing as a person and i was like oh god this is like the last first episode with you and i'm like man it's gonna be real bad when fitz is on screen (laughs) but enoch is a real one i adore him i think they gave him the best possible send out because he like he didn't really even hesitate. Like he, Jim explained what <laughs> I won't hesitate, bitch. Sorry, I had to make the joke. <laughs> but Jimma like explains what happened, what is gonna like happen, and he's like, oh, okay. And everyone's like, well, we can find another way or whatever. And he's just like, nope. And he just reaches in and pulls it out. Yeah, that was simultaneously like the funniest fucking shit, and also like the most like oh shit moment for me because like yeah. he literally just like re- it looks like he's like reaching into like a jacket pocket and then he just like pulls out like a whole ass like iron man heart yep <laughs> and i'm just like fuck that that does not that is like w- one of the most egregious feeling like continuity things hiccups in a while but also just like the moment of him just being like like pulling that out and you just immediately immediately going like oh no he's dead now yep because they're like they really make it clear that like this is his basically his heart yeah that they're ripping out (laughs) and i'm like oh shit (laughs) yeah it's just like it's just like if you if you if 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 you said to your if like you and all your best buds were hanging around and you're just like well we gotta cut out your heart my dude um and everyone gets like real sad about that and then you turn around and the dude's just holding his heart and it's just like fuck yeah it it was very because enoch really i think especially this season has been on a roller coaster with like the whole team in terms of like him really wanting to have a close relationship with these people and like not everybody's on board with that (laughs) yeah um at various times but I mean, I think he really, I think the scene with Deke where Gemma made him apologize to Enoch and she was like, <laughs> really telling him what to say. And Enoch was like, you're a valued member of our family or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it really spoke to Enoch because he's never had a family or friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of like a speech, like ex- two character exchanges like while one of them's like on their deathbed or like in the middle of dying quite often don't really work for me like the emotional bits in those scenes are is just the person that i care about dying yeah like i like i don't like those those like the actual words that are being spoken don't really do anything for me but the exchange the kind of like mounting exchange between him and colson about what it means to be alone 
like in the final moments like really fucking got me like that yeah that for me like i'm getting a little bit teary-eyed like now thinking about (laughs) it because like like fuck like that but especially between the two of them and all the context that's there like it and because it wasn't like it wasn't it they didn't like have it be like us like a like a thing that was supposed to be like like damn damn pour one out for a real one but like but like ha- it was like a conversation that they began to have and like Enoch began beginning to feel this kind of like anxiety and then yeah the conversation kind of like took a small detour and then it kind of wrapped back around in a really beautiful way between him and Coulson and like fuck it yeah and i think like Coulson was the only one who could have given him that speech in that moment yeah because Coulson's the only one who's died <laughs> yeah and died multiple times at that and i think it was just very beautiful and like really a somber reflection on mortality as a whole because it's like yeah like we don't know what's on the other side but like the best we can hope for is to go out like surrounded by people who love us yeah um which is which very is like, moving yeah like it, it's one of those things where a lot of the stuff that they were saying was pretty bog standard for this kind of stuff but but i don't know it was framed in a way of just like them talking about because like it didn't really feel like oh at least he's surrounded by friends like no it felt like the court takeaway is just like no like dying is is an extremely lonely like you can think about the ways that you are together and the fact that like everybody is going to die one day and there's kind of like a sense of of kinship in that there's a sense that you're being you're dying surrounded by people that you love but in the end you're the one like the when enoch said it's just like like i'm glad that you're here with me but like uh, like i'm glad that you're here with me like before i leave you but i am going to leave you and yeah i'm going to do that alone like it like the i don't know that really fucking got me (laughs) yeah no i i agree and i think that as someone who's pretty religious and always has been so often the comfort for that is religion but like no one on the show except elena has religion yeah and (laughs) And even then it's like pretty low-key and so it was very interesting to hear that from like very much two atheists (laughs) yeah um talking about it because it's not super often that you hear it because it's always like assumed there's something like afterlife if you're religious but i don't think enoch believes in that (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so he's he's staring down the barrel of this is it like this is the end of my existence yeah which is pretty scary big oof big oof big emotional oof yeah and that's what frustrates me about the writers because they write shit like this and then the rest of the time it's like I don't know what you're going for. Yep. Like these are the moments in the show that I live for and I'm like why is it not consistent? <laughs> yeah. Yeah that's the thing is that it goes all, like this episode like apart from the two moments that really just fucking hit me. Like the construction of this episode in particular was like absolutely impeccable like from a lot of the writing like with the enoch stuff with Cole's how colson's attitude was 
the like scene by scene like breakdown of the show like was really well like conceived from a writing standpoint i feel like mm-hmm. and then the way it was shot the way it was paced the way it was edited the way it was directed like shout outs to liz holy shit yeah um, and like it just like it was it was a, like an absolutely impeccable episode from that standpoint like i was really like you and i were talking about it. it's like it's like rare that you're like in the middle of your episode it's like wow the pacing of this episode is really impressive <laughs> like that's just yeah, not know. what you're thinking about <laughs> but like it was just so standout that like both of us commented on it and like because because with a with a time loop episode like this it's one of those things where like it kind of it kind of like exacerbates like good or bad pacing and yeah and writing and that kind of stuff and like you really had to hit it to make it work and it they really fucking nailed it like it was it was absolutely like just yeah just like shout outs to to everyone who made this episode possible because yeah. it it was really really good like and especially shout outs to liz because like was this her like debut as a director yeah. or had she this done... is the first time she's ever directed yeah like holy shit she did like i don't know how much a director has control especially in like a like an episode where there's like a writer's room or whatever like i don't mm-hmm. I, I like i don't pretend to know anything about how that works but i imagine just based on like the the like context clues and stuff that the director has a pretty sizable amount of control over how an episode yeah. turns out and yeah she did a she did a great job because the thing is the writers can put things on paper but the director makes that vision real yeah and i think that liz really did a great job with everything from you know the actors giving their all probably a little bit because she was the director. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like the way that was shot and like all this, it was just really well done. And I think that with these time loop episodes, everyone is, everyone knows Groundhog Day. Like mm-hmm. we've all seen the movie. We all know the trope or whatever. And it's so easy to get boring with that because it's the same day over and over again, but they did not do that. They said, okay, we're going to do the loop once fully and then Daisy's going to catch on and, like, immediately change things, which was the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they also did the thing where the loop that they started on wasn't the first loop. Like, so no. that they had somebody, Coulson, to explain anything that wasn't immediately obvious. Like, they, they like, part of the pacing is, like, they banged out all of the prerequisites for you to get on board with the time loop, like, bang, bang, bang. Like, they got that all up, and then it was just, like, off to the races from there. Like, they, they yeah. went, they went really quick with it, but in a way that didn't feel rushed. Um, or, like, it No, it felt, felt logical. Yeah, it, or it felt rushed because that was the atmosphere. Like, it felt rushed yeah. in terms of, like, they need to get this done. Like, this is, like, there's a timer that's taking, that's taking down quite literally. Um, and they and like yeah it it just it was it was really incredible because they also got like a lot of time loop like trope goofs out of the way because it's just like the whole idea of like each loop doesn't really matter so you can do some stupid shit and not give a shit about like each individual one like like they did everything and like 
that, that I love about time loops in one 40 minute episode and also everything else that we've been talking about. Like, I guess the other, only other thing that I can think of that we haven't talked about is, um, Coulson in these two episodes specifically, I feel mm-hmm. like has been going through a real rough time. Yep. Uh, like, like, like we had just come out of the episode nine or episode 10. Fuck. Episode nine. And where Coulson's having a really rough time. And then I went back and watched episode eight. And, like, they really haven't been making it easy for Coulson. Like, like Max just, like, he's being, he's in the middle of being rebuilt. Where it's very obvious that yep. he is a robot and not a human being. Let's turn him on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, like, the whole conversation between him and Daisy in that one. Where he's just drinking that glass of water. And he's just like, yeah, I feel happy that you're okay i guess i wonder how many ones and zeros it takes for me to feel happy yeah or like like i felt thirsty for a year and a half and i didn't have a body that i could drink and what does it even mean for me to be thirsty (laughs) like yeah um and and in this episode like i don't think we've ever seen colson like this like he he is he is absolutely livid super done and just like does not give a shit um but in a but like but like he doesn't give a shit because he gives so much shit so you know <laughs> yeah like he's just i think he really made his peace with death in season 5 and ever since he's been brought back he's just like i hate it here like <laughs> I didn't ask to be brought back and I went through being Sarge for a hot second. Now I'm like literally a robot with no reason to be here. (laughs) Yeah. And like, yeah, the idea that like, cause he's come to terms with death, but he, but like watching everybody die and over and over again, like I, like the idea that he saw it as some sort of punishment was also big oof. Like that, that also put me in my feelings like that, like this, that his hell, his hell is the fact that he keeps coming back, that he can't die, and he has to watch everyone else around him die and get hurt. Yeah, like, like it's really fucked up if you think about it. Yeah, like this episode, like this episode was that in a very explicit way, but it was all, it's also a crystallization of what you imagine he must be feeling for like the entirety of this show. You know, like he's yeah. the one who's not allowed to die. Everyone else, they can get hurt, they could die, and that's the one thing that would bother him the most because i feel like he 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 has come to pe- to terms with death and yet he can't die everyone else who hasn't come to terms with death they're allowed to die they're allowed to get hurt yeah it's it's just so fucked up because like like every other human can count on death as like the great equalizer but not colson yeah <laughs> and he's just like oh well, like, what am I even alive for at this point then? Which is, like, really sad, but I really hope that after they sort this shit out, like, Daisy will make peace with it. Because I think really Daisy is the reason he keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's also really rough because on top of all of that stuff, he's still dealing, wrestling with the fact of whether or not he's the real Coulson, you know? Yeah. And, like, they... Like, they had that exchange where I think Daisy Daisy kind of talked him into, like, accepting the fact that he's real, that he's, like, a real person. Even if he's not the same Coulson, he is still Coulson, uh, which is true, and that's what I believe fully. But, but yeah, like, 
this episode very much feels like a one like all of his frustrations that he's had and this trouble that he's going through is is kind of just being amplified and brought up by the fact that he he can't really he's trying his best to do something but like all of his shit like the fact that he's a robot is what's preventing him from doing it so he has to reckon with that during this like the fact that he's shut down at the start of this means is why he's why this isn't going well and just his his frustration and anger this whole episode was was truly something else let me tell you yeah like colson was like genuinely pissed off yeah like through most of this episode and like i think it kind of threw daisy for a loop too because she's not used to it (laughs) yeah like it definitely threw me for a loop yeah a time loop uh time loop (laughs) ha 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 very funny um yeah i know we've talked about this a little bit but so the stuff with Gemma, i mean it seems pretty extreme that she would be like kill me versus reveal where fitz is and i cannot imagine fitz being chill with that decision so it seems like something she did on her own yeah yeah like part of me was thinking that it might just be like it wasn't an explicit order but like one of those robot loophole things yeah, but it, it, if she left enough room in there for it to be a loophole, yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah, God, I'm. <sighs> These two episodes were fucking exhausting, like in a lot of really good ways, but in a lot of really fucking bad ways. Yeah, and it really leads me to like, what is so bad about where Fitz is? Like, I get that he's in danger, yeah. but like Jimma was like losing her goddamn mind at the end and i'm like what in the world can make her lose her mind like that yeah and i I, like the only thing i think of is like fitz literally dying and i'm like nope it's not happening (laughs) yeah i guess do we want to get into predictions now then do you have anything else to say about about these two episodes yeah just shout out to liz for directing again shout out to liz really cool definitely awesome i don't know if she wants to keep directing but I mean, I mean she, she's got my stamp yeah she's got a <laughs> she's got a really good yeah she's got a hundred percent hit right so far yep hundred percent like like yeah like i don't know what kind of like reels and shit you need to have under your belt to like be respected as a director but like fucking she's off to a good start holy shit yeah i mean if she wants to direct i think it'll be pretty easy after this because yeah i mean it's a pretty big deal to direct an episode like this first yeah. out of the gate so but yeah we can do predictions now oh god i don't even fucking know where it's like <sighs> okay my big prediction is we get some scenes with jying and daisy which is not really a prediction because we know it's happening but i think it's gonna really help daisy ground herself a little bit with her mother who is actually like you know not traumatized out of her mind yeah and I think that will be good. I think that's going to be a good healing moment for possibly both of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still hoping. Like I think it's less of a prediction at this point and more of a hope that Nathaniel's end goal is to just harvest as many inhuman powers for himself as he can. Yeah. Um, which we haven't, we haven't really seen. The only evidence that we've seen of that is that he's taken all of afterlife as prisoner but like 
I was expecting him to kind of like indoctrinate and radicalize Korra only to like turn around and like kill her or whatever and steal her powers, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be like that he's yet. trying to groom her. Um, I mean, yet. Because yeah. like now he has what he wants. So she's expendable. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like like cuz he didn't it feels like he is he's grooming her in a way that feels unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it yeah, it just God, it makes me really fucking uncomfortable to see him with quake powers. Um, yeah, I hate I hate the fact that he has quake powers so yeah, much. Yeah, it it like because especially the sound is so recognizable and iconic that it like it literally feels invasive and gross whenever yeah whenever I hear that sound and it's and not like. I, I know he obviously had to suffer a little bit, like, through the initial, like, don't break my bones apart phase, which Daisy had to go through too, but I feel like a lot of the emotional growth that Daisy had with her powers is just, like, gone, which really also makes it gross, because Daisy had to really learn to love that part of herself, <laughs> and I don't think he did, so... Yeah. Like, he sees it as, like, this is something that he is entitled to. Yeah. Whereas Daisy, like, did not want it, actually hated it for a long time because Trip died because of it. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it, it really f- makes me feel violated might be a bit strong of a word, but, like, on Daisy's behalf, like, like yeah. this is such a, like, a core part of her character. And, like, yeah, like, the quake sound and, like, visual effect is so recognizable and iconic and so tied in my mind of, like, the iconography that makes up who daisy is yeah that just seeing it as part of this like supreme shithead is like oh it makes me feel like really fucking gross like in a way that i don't think a lot of the other villains have like maybe hive but not like this yeah i mean he literally took a part of her soul basically yeah which is just, like, so fucked up. <laughs> and I really hope we get to see her just kick his ass and yeah. shut him down because that's exactly what she deserves. Yeah, and I think I think if they do go down that route of him, like, infusing multiple inhuman powers into himself, that would set him up. That would put him at, like, end-of-season villain p- potential. Yeah. Because that, that's... That's closing in on destroy a world's territory. I feel, mm-hmm. where like it just it just becomes like a snowball of superpowers, basically. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm interested to see that. But like, they would have to. They would. I feel like at this point, they would have to thread the needle enough to give it legs in order to feel make it feel plausible. Mm-hmm. So I I don't fucking know. <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm very interested to see what happens next episode because I think it'll really inform like where they're going with it. Yeah, because um, he was kind of on the back burner this episode. Uh, is it too painful to make predictions again at this point on when we think Fitz is going to show up? I mean, I truly think we won't see him next week. No, at me all. Either. Which really fucking sucks to say, but I yeah I. I don't expect to see him. I think the earliest we're going to see him is 11, which really sucks yeah. a lot. 
yeah i think i think my my best bet is that he's going to be 11 12 13 yep three episodes which fuck yeah it's and you know what's more frustrating is that they're airing 12 and 13 on the same day so really we're two weeks of fits that's it that's all we get at the end yeah so get ready for that Oh, can't wait to spend three hours saying goodbye to one of my favorite characters ever it's very frustrating but it feels like they might wrap up nathaniel's arc this episode or this next episode and then back in with the chromacons in 11 and that's when we'll see fits finally which is super frustrating i mean at most we'll get like a voice message in the tag of 10 i think that's as much as we're gonna get and even then, I'm like, I don't even know if that's really yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, other predictions? I don't know if I have any more. Yeah. I, get, I really don't know where May's shit is going at this point. I have had no fucking idea where May's shit is going this whole season. Yeah. And I still don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I felt like... I felt like when I felt like I kind of had a grasp on it when we thought that her emotions were returning. Cause so I was just like, yeah. oh, this is just going to be a thing that she can do. And it's going to come in clutch at like a key moment towards the end, which kind of felt unsatisfying, but I was just like, eh, that just seems what it is at this point. But now I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. Like I seriously have no idea like where she goes. I, I just don't have any idea. <laughs> yep. Like, she could die, she could leave S.H.I.E.L.D., she could stay with S.H.I.E.L.D., she could get her emotions back, she couldn't get her emotions back, like, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this this next episode is really gonna be, um, I know I said this last spoiler cast we did, I think, but I, fe- I do feel like next episode is really gonna make or break how the rest of this season is gonna go. Yeah agreed which you know is good or bad i don't know we we don't know because we haven't seen the episode but yeah yeah they released a couple of uh promotional pictures for it and it seems like the classic someone gets kidnapped is happening and that's someone's Jimma, so get ready for that <laughs> oh yeah oh. i'm pretty sure we'll get her back in this episode but you know yeah She's definitely getting goon capped in the uh, in the promo picture. Other than that, I don't really have any other predictions. Yeah, or that's comments pretty much all I got too. Yeah, and this episode has run pretty long anyway, so we can probably call it there. Yeah. It's about an hour and forty-five, which is pretty long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank you for joining us on this one. Next week we'll be back with episode seven of season one of our reaction rewatch podcast with buck uh then the week after that will be the second to last spoiler cast of shield episodes 10 and 11 yeah big thank you to abnormal mapping for having us on their network you can you can find them at abnormalmapping.com follow them on twitter at abnormalmapping and support them at patreon.com slash which I would heavily recommend that you do. Uh, thanks again to Mel for our podcast art. 
You can follow her at Squirrel Curls on Twitter. Uh, and big thanks to you too, Luca, for suffering along with me this one. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I've just been suffering for seven seasons. <laughs> it's fine. I haven't been suffering that long, but I feel like I've earned my due at this point. But, yeah. Uh, and then we'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.